To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what? It was always an inevitability. The moment our borders opened, the moment that Kiwis no longer had to play the MIQ lottery and could be relatively sure they'd get home at short notice if they needed. The moment most other countries dropped their COVID restrictions and started actively pursuing offshore talent, of course, of course, young Kiwis were going to leave. I mean, wouldn't you? If you were a young New Zealander with itchy feet, and you'd been stuck at home for two years, feeling as though your 20s or early 30s were slipping away, wouldn't you want to make up for lost time? The pandemic has changed a lot of things, but it hasn't changed our rangatahi's desire to go and experience the world. And I think that's a good thing. From a financial perspective, it's always been attractive for young New Zealanders to go offshore. Before the pandemic, my sister spent a few years teaching in Perth in Western Australia, And after just four years there, with the performance incentives and the currency exchange, she was earning $40,000 more than what she earns for the same job in New Zealand. $40,000. 40 grand. (laughs) Whether you're a nurse, uh, a graphic designer, even just managing a bar, there is a very good chance you're going to earn more overseas than you will in New Zealand. But you know what? My sister still chose to come home. Perth had the cash, but Aotearoa had something that Western Australia didn't. Me. (laughs) No, I mean, seriously. New Zealand had her family. And with the savings that she had earned from her job in Perth, six years ago, my sister and her husband bought a little home and set up their lives just outside of Nelson. And this is where the COVID years have really changed the game. Finally, I worry, the balance has shifted. If you were a talented and resourceful young New Zealander living overseas right now, why would you choose to come home when you can't afford to live here? If she were moving back today, it would take my sister years more to save up and afford a similar home even if she's earning 40 grand more a year in Australia than she was in New Zealand. Honestly, even with that discrepancy, she might never have got there. She might never have been able to save enough. So why wouldn't she just stay in Perth? Wages play a role, of course. But as always, the elephant in the room is housing. It occurs to me that many of those people moaning about the impending brain drain are those who have benefited most from the massive surge in asset prices. They oppose changes to housing density laws. They'd give themselves a hernia yelling at the radio if anyone dared to meaningfully reform tax settings. One of my oldest friends is visiting from Toronto at the moment. She hasn't been home to New Zealand in four years. And the other day I drove her around a middle-class Auckland suburb and pointed out a random house. How much do you reckon that's worth, I asked her. We looked up the valuation on one roof. My friend was out by more than a million dollars. She doesn't want anything fancy. Something way out in the burbs, that'd be fine. But she can't afford anything. Again, why the hell would she come home? 
We shouldn't be grappling too much with how to stop the brain drain. It's inevitable, as far as I'm concerned. The horse has bolted. But what we should be asking ourselves is what we need to do to make sure our young people return home in the future.